today I start with week one of this two-week series that will wrap up next Sunday. Now, Resurrection Sunday is an interesting time. Usually, we will focus on the cross, and we should. We focus on the blood of Jesus, and we should. We focus on the tomb, and we should. The resurrection, and we should. What comes next with the outpouring of God's Spirit, and we should. This, these are all things we should focus on. But today I want to go a different direction than I probably have ever gone on a Resurrection Sunday because this special day is not only about the cross, the blood, the tomb, or the resurrection. But this incredible day is so much about this topic, relationship, relationship. And so today, week one of this series, I'm entitling this Receiving or Pursuing, Receiving or Pursuing. Would you pray with me, Jesus? Thank you, God, for what we've already felt here. We've honored you in song and worship with lifted hands and lifted voices, God. We've remembered, Lord Jesus, as your word tells us, that when we take this, Lord, communion, that we do it in, any time we do it, we do it in remembrance of what you did for us at Calvary. And so we've tried to honor that, that, that memory. We've tried to remember that and celebrate your victory, God, that you have not only accomplished but shared with us in Lord Jesus. But God, I pray that over this next little while, Lord, before we head off our separate ways, that you would mightily anoint me, God, and that you would touch the hearts and minds of those in this place here today. God, that you would reach to them, Lord Jesus, through your word. Your word is so alive and so powerful. But God, if we don't receive it, if we don't open our hearts and minds to it, then its power is limited. So Lord, help us, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You see, Easter is not only about redemption. It's about relationship. There are many reasons why Christ came, some of them being to fulfill the law, to seek and save the lost, to serve, to pay the price for sin, to proclaim truth, to destroy the works of the devil. These are all scriptural things. But don't forget this, John 10.10 10 says, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He says, I am come that they, I am come, Jesus says, that they might have life. God took on flesh so that we could have life. And not just life where we just make it or we're just hanging on, but he says, I, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more Abundantly. The Greek word abundant there is abounds all the more, beyond, excessive, greater, more extremely, much more. That's the kind of life that Jesus Christ has planned for you and for me. It's not just survival mode. He came that we might have abundant life, life that is excessive, beyond, greater, more, extremely. That's the kind of plan he has for us. The cross and the resurrection were accomplished with you and with me in mind. 
Resurrection Sunday is not about a religious ritual. It's not about a special Sunday service, but Resurrection Sunday is not even just about the cross or blood or Calvary or a tomb. It's about an invitation to relationship. Look how God revealed himself since the beginning of time. He creates Adam and Eve, and, he, and the Bible says he walked with them in the garden in the cool of the day. So here we see this God of the universe having this intimate, incredible relationship, just walking and talking with his creation. Well, then sin messed that up, but he still didn't just say, well, forget you then. I'm out of here. No, he says, you know what? You, when you read the Bible, so many people think the Bible is man's pursuit of God, but it's not. It's God's pursuit of us. And so he says, I'm going I'm to enter into covenant relationship with you, Abraham. He sets up covenant where he says, I, I know I don't have to do this. I'm the creator. You all are the ones that mess things up. But he says, I'm willing to really in some ways humble myself that I as the creator of the world are willing to enter into a covenant with you. And here's, here's my part of the deal. Here's your part of the deal. I'm going to enter into this business deal, so to speak, where we can have, fr- have friends relationship. But it doesn't stop there. You read on. And then he says, I'm going to have you set up a tabernacle in the Old Testament. And he says, I want you to put an altar first and then a brazen laver. And, and of course, that points to a New Testament plan for our salvation. But he says, you know what? In, in one time of year, a high priest is going to come in and the high priest will be able to stand before the Ark of the Covenant in my presence. But then he says, you know what? I'm going to go even further than that. I'm actually going to take on flesh, and I'm going to walk among you, and I'm going to perform signs, wonders, and miracles, and talk with you, and and call you. But then he says, no, now I'm going to ascend into heaven after I die on Calvary on a cross, and I'm actually going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh so that I can be with you always, so that you can be filled with my Holy Spirit. But then he says, you know, that's not the end of it. That, that's, that's, that's so that I can lead you into all things. But I've gone to prepare a place for you so that that spirit will help you in your daily life to eventually get you to the point where you and I will spend eternity together. You see, when you, when you really break that down, you will, if you look at the story of the Bible, God is offering what we would call progressive revelation. And as he offered progressive revelation of who he is with one step to the next step to the next step, it comes with an invitation to greater and deeper relationship. He never reveals himself just to give knowledge to someone. Think about that. All the stories we see in scripture, he never just shows up and just says, hey, you just had this incredible experience with me. He didn't just show up to Moses on the side of Mount. Hey, look, there's a bush burning and it's not being consumed. Here, Moses, I just wanted you to just have a little information, a little history about who I am as a person or as a God. He doesn't just show up and have these moments in Scripture just to impart knowledge to someone. It was always with a, hey, I want a deeper relationship with my people. He does this with the intent of getting closer to us. The most mightily used in God's word had relationship with him. Not just even just demonstration, not even just ministry, but but that he was going, I want to reveal myself to you, not just for knowledge, not just for ministry, but because I want to know you and I want you to know me. 
Easter is not only a celebration that our sins were paid for and death was defeated. It's an invitation from God into greater relationship. In the Old Testament, there was the tabernacle where man would follow procedures to be able to enter God's presence. In the New Testament, God came to reveal himself to humanity, humanity that he was willing to die for. And as he developed deeper relationship with people like Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Old Testament prophets, New Testament apostles, these people were burdened with the call of God. And ministries were birthed after their burden resulted in a pursuit of God. And these powerful things were birthed out of relationship. Not a desire for power or name recognition, but just, God, I want to know you. And then, and then as he would reveal himself, I want other people to know you. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, our United Pentecostal Church organization had a five-fold ministry conference at a church here in Kansas City. Several of you were there. Well, at that conference, God spoke to me directly many times, sometimes through the speaker, Sometimes through his word and sometimes through personal prayer and devotion. And one of the things that one of the speakers said was this. Ministry is a calling where God is showing you a glimpse of what is ahead. Basically, God looks at you where you are right now. And he knows where he wants to take you. And this is for everybody. First time guest to licensed minister. It's for every one of us. He looks at where you are now and he sees you as the best version of yourself. And he starts to pull you toward that. That's incredible. We look at ourselves now, oh, I, I've done this. You don't know what I, oh, I've, I, I recently just did this. We see ourselves for who we are. He sees us for what we can be. That is why when you feel an initial call into ministry, that does not mean that you are meant to step into that today, next week, next month, next year. But God gives you a glimpse of what's ahead. Yeah. That should challenge us. At times, that'll overwhelm us because we go, I got a glimpse of what he's calling me to do and be, but I'm not that. I don't know if I'll ever be that. But if you just keep going, God, I, I, you gave me that glimpse and keep pulling me toward that. Keep developing me into what you want me to be, God. People will often make a big mistake when God will speak something to you or he'll begin to call you. We'll automatically go, well, hey, that's a promise. And God's done this for, to me before. And I've made that mistake where all of a sudden God says, I want to do this. Or he, he, he sends someone to give me a prophetic word or I see something in scripture and I feel like he speaks it to me directly. And so then I sit back and go, wow, that is exciting. I can't wait for that to happen because that must be a promise. If God said, this is what I'm calling you to do, I can't wait till it happens. I'm going to sit back and wait for that to transpire. But can I say, I don't believe it calling is a promise. A calling is not a promise. A calling is an invitation. I believe that many of us are called by God. 
that does not mean that many of us are all going to be mightily used by God. Because that calling by God, when he starts to call to you, that's not a promise. That's an invitation to you to go deeper. That's an invitation from the very beginning of your journey with Jesus. He starts with invitations. When I wrap up this message, I'm going to invite you to come to an altar. I'm going to invite you to repent of your sins. God invites us to bring our failures to him and he will forgive them. He invites us to enter into covenant relationship. We can have our sins washed away in the waters of baptism. He invites us to receive the beautiful gift of his Holy Spirit. Those are promises, but they're based on our responses. That's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. They should have everlasting life. Because of what he did on Calvary, he paid the price for every single person's sin throughout all of humanity. But it does not say we cannot perish. It says we should not perish. Well, the blood of Calvary is not a promise of salvation. It's an invitation to salvation. In the Old Testament, he says, unless you want your firstborn to die, you have to kill that animal, that sacrifice, and then they had to apply blood to the doorpost. It, imagine if they would have killed the animal and the blood was shed, but then they never took the blood and applied it to their doorpost they would have lost their firstborn. Even though the blood was shed, it wasn't applied. In the New Testament, the blood has been shed, so no one should perish. But unless the blood is applied to our personal lives, we can still perish. He paid a price, but that does not mean he paid for salvation. But that salvation is not a promise, it's an invitation. Because now you have to take the blood and go, God, thank you for shedding that blood. But now I want to apply that blood to my life. And how do I do that? Well, I can repent of my sins. My sins can be covered in the blood. They can be forgiven, but then I can have the remnants of all that sin washed away. And Jesus, that name, and that's why that name is so important. Some people will say, well, I don't think it's really a big deal on why I was baptized. Why? It, who shed blood on the cross? What was his name who shed blood on the cross? Jesus. Why in the world would I be baptized in any other title, name, or concept? Anyway, he is the one. Jesus Christ. Jesus means Jehovah or God is our salvation. Okay? So he's the one that paid the price on Calvary. If I want that blood applied to my life, I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And God looks at every one of us exactly where we are in this exact moment. He reaches to us. And each of us has a powerful testimony. Some of you have a testimony about what he's brought you through. Just, just 
just by a show of hands. Nobody's going to ask you personal details. But how many of you feel like you have a testimony of, some, of what God has actually brought you through? Now, how about, how many of you would say, you know what? I didn't do some of the things that some other people do, but, but I have a testimony of what he's kept me from. Anybody got that testimony? I remember my dad used to carry his mug shots around. He was alcoholic, drug addict, was arrested. I have never been drunk in my life. My testimony, and certainly I've made mistakes. I don't want you to think, oh yeah, he's, no. My, just ask my wife. I'm not perfect. <laughs> but I have a testimony about what he's kept me from. I don't have to carry, I'm not going to, my dad's testimony was powerful, but I pray I don't ever have a mugshot. Some of you, you have. Some of you have been in prison. Some of you have mugshots. Thank God for your testimony. Some of you don't. Thank God for your testimony. Because both are powerful. And today, when I speak about a repentance and an altar, sins being washed away, God filling you with the Spirit, these are, not, these are more than mere doctrinal or denominational things. These are invitations from God to go deeper with Him. As you grow, God will start to call you into various ministries. And if you're not careful, you'll sit back and again go, I can't wait for that to happen. But no, that's not a promise. It's an invitation to greater depth. Many of you here today desire God to use your life. You might maybe even have as a first-time guest, you're like, hey, I'm not really sure, but I know I want more of God. I'm talking to you too, everybody. This is not just like, oh, church members who've been here. Well, no, God is looking at all of us going, I have an invitation to you. I want to use your life. I want to use your story. But in order to go to new depths in ministry, we first have to go to new depths in relationship. Before ministry power becomes reality, there must first be spiritual response. Before ministry power becomes reality, there must first be a spiritual response. We saw this with Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, the Old Testament prophets. And for me personally, God has sent me prophetic words many times over the last 12 months. And I've been waiting excitedly to see these things come to pass. But at that conference that I was recently at, I was standing at an altar with my hands raised and God spoke this to me. And he said, these things I have given you are not, are not promises on the horizon. They're invitations to greater depth in me. And for me, I was going, man, I can't wait for that to happen. God's spoken. It's going to happen. And God instantly corrected me that night. I was standing there, and he said, these are not promises. These are invitations to greater depth. And then God asked me if that was my heart's desire. And I said, yes. And God responded to me. And he said, I'm immediately going to start working on you. And I didn't know if I'd be excited about that or not. <laughs> it's a bit unnerving. We love the idea of impartation. We love the idea of power with God. But that comes with a price. 
The power only comes when we respond to the invitation. And that's why not a lot of people are mightily used of God. Because I love the promise, but I don't know if I want to respond to the invitation. I know this is a little deeper than I've probably preached in the past on Easter, but God is calling his church, his people, his ministry. If you're a guest, God's calling you into greater depths. This is not, this message is not just a message about, thank God for the blood, you're dismissed here today. It's God reaching to you and going, no, I want to know you more. I want to reveal myself to you. And I will say, since I responded to that invitation from God, I can genuinely say, there has not been one single day of my life that has been easy since that moment. God immediately started working on me. Because when he works on us, he prepares us for his purpose. God sees the perfected you, and he pulls you toward that future. That's a powerful thought if you'll, if you'll let yourself dwell on that for a minute. You look at you right now. He looks at you and says, I see the perfected you, and I'm pulling you toward that future. Part of our power and authority in ministry is not what we do. It's how we respond to the invitation from Jesus to go deeper. And not just the response to the invitation, but then choosing to see his hand once he starts working. Because responding to the invitation does not just mean, wow, I get new cars, promotions, and raises. Sometimes it's quite the opposite. But if we say, God, I want you to move and work in my life, and once he starts working, we beg him to start changing our situation. And he's going, no, hold on. I'm working things out for my good. I'm developing you into the person I'm calling you to be. Didn't you ask me to work in your life? Yeah, but I wanted blessings and power and promise. You see, think about what we celebrated last week with Palm Sunday. They were crying Hosanna, my wife talked about this at a church we ministered at last week. Laying palm branches before the king of kings, the savior of the world. Hosanna in the highest. Worshiping him as he rode into Jerusalem. Many were publicly acknowledging him as their Lord and their savior. And less than a week later, he's a bloody mess on Calvary. And for all they knew, their promise was dead. The Savior had passed. Hope was gone. Of course, we know that's not the story. But they didn't have the luxury of reading the end of the story. For them, they had, and, and, and that's why even his closest followers all fled. 
Peter was kind of the closest that kind of came near and, hey, you sound like, I don't. Yeah, I think you follow. I didn't till the point where he denies Jesus three different times. You see, they wanted a savior, but not a Lord. They wanted blessing without burden. They wanted the power, but not the process. I think we can relate to that at times. If I said, how many of us today want power with God? I think most of us would be like, yeah. But how many of us want to go through the process to develop the power? Uh, well, give me some more details. I'd like to hear more about this. Before I sign on the dotted line, could I just get some of the parameters of the deal? But see, when you walk by faith and not by sight, you don't get the parameters of the deal. You sign your name on the dotted line and you say, Jesus, go ahead and write my story. We don't like that. If I'm going to sign my name on the dotted line, I want to know how many chapters are in the story, where the story takes me. I want to know where the highs and the lows are. I want to to read through. Give me the bullet points. I want to know what I'm walking into. But Jesus goes, and I'll write your name because I'm giving you an invitation right now to know me more. I'm giving you an invitation to go to new depths in me. Sign your name and let me write the story. You see, next week we're going we're gonna to dive deeper into this. But I just feel like God, I, I, I don't, I don't want to just fill seats and get bigger buildings and have more exciting services. I want to know him. I don't want to just go to church. I don't want to just be a part of a church or have powerful ministry or a recognized name that gets to speak a lot. I don't, I don't know. I want to know him. And you know what? I feel like I, I do know him. And that's the thing that I think is the trickiest for us is because I said, do you know Jesus? I think most of us would go, yeah. And so there's a certain depth of knowledge and relationship that we already have. And that's where most will just settle in right there and be content with that. But we're going to talk about some people next week that said, no, I already know about you. We already have this relationship. But I want more. I want new revelation. God, I want you to reveal things about yourself to me. I want to go deeper than where I am right now. And so this Easter, you might have thought that it was just coming in to gather with family and have a traditional service. But I believe that God has a perfect plan. And as I close up this message, it's a very simple thought, but yet with great depth. And that is God is looking at you right where you are. Licensed minister, man or woman of God, first time guest, 
He's looking at you right where you are. And you're seeing yourself for what you are. And he is seeing you for what he wants you to be. But that doesn't just happen magically. It happens when a man or a woman says, I am not content to just have status quo anymore. God is calling you to pursue instead of just receive. I think a lot of times we walk into church, what can I receive from you today, God? I didn't sing my favorite song. Message was just, ah, all right. I just didn't get much out of the service today. Well, if that's always your goal as to what you can get out of the service, you might be missing something. Because it's not just about what you can receive. It's an invitation from God to pursue. He's inviting you today. The cross was not just a gift to receive. When he tore the veil, that Old Testament, they couldn't get, the, only the high priest one time a year would go behind that veil. Two teen, the, 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 the tradition, rabbinical tradition, two teams of oxen pulling in opposite directions. Couldn't, it was so finely twined linen that they couldn't tear apart this veil. And the veil separated God and the Ark of the Covenant from the rest of humanity. And Matthew, I think 27, when he dies, the veil is just torn from top to bottom. To me, that's two powerful things. It wasn't just that now we can come into the presence of God, but he came out to us. He made himself accessible. And in doing this, when he tore that veil open, it was an invitation for all of humanity for the rest of time. It was an invitation for us to pursue him. Back then, it was just the high priest once a year. Now, it was tore open that he's completely accessible. But could it be that he's been so openly accessible for so long that it's not even special to the church anymore? He, his presence is just, it's wide open for all of us. At any moment in time, we can go into the presence of the Lord right now and go, God, I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want to hear your voice. When's the last time the busyness and all the stress and anxiety of the, all the things you have going on with school and work and children and profession and career and home and remodeling, all the things we got going on, that we just stopped and said, God, I just right now, I, right now I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you speak to me. I want, I want to know you. I don't want just a biblical knowledge. I don't want to just memorize concepts. I don't want to just go to school and just memorize biblical things. 
I have a master's degree in, from an from a Urshan graduate school of theology. That's great. But if, if, the, if the education doesn't translate into depth of relationship, then what good does that do me? I don't want to just know concepts, memorize dates. God, you're coming back soon. I want to hear your voice. I want our relationship to grow beyond where it is right now. No doubt I'm talking to a group of people. You have a relationship with God. But that sometimes is the trickiest thing. Is you can settle in and get content with the depth of your current relationship. When God is going, I'm speaking things to you because it's an invitation to go deeper. It's an invitation to greater depth. It's an invitation because I want to reveal myself to you. You can have as much of God as you want. How much of yourself are you willing to give? And God has talked to me and said he's going to be working on me. And he has and he is. It's not always easy. But I can tell you in the last month of my life, my relationship with Jesus Christ has grown. I just, I want to know, I want to know him. Are you interested in knowing him more? The cross made this a possibility. But your response is what makes this a reality. Now I know, I've already talked to children's ministry directors. They got an egg hunt. It's cute. We'll take pictures with our kids. But I told them, you rush off right now. They're not starting it. Because I said, we need a little bit of time to pray. So don't feel stressed like you're going to miss anything. We'll start that soon. But right now on this Easter Sunday, before we rush off to lunch and egg hunts and all this, I would love to think every person online and every person here today is just desperately wanting to know God more. But sheer numbers, statistics, probability says that's probably not the case. But I'm reaching to the person, to the people that are sitting here going, I'm not content with where I am right now. God's brought me to this place. And I've even seen some signs, wonders, and miracles. God's spoken to me. And you even have some things that you go, wow, there's some depth here. But you're going, but it's not enough. I want to know him. I want to hear his voice with greater clarity than I've ever heard before. I want to feel his touch. I want to, I want to be willing to sign my name on that dotted line and say, God, whatever you need to do to me to make me the person you're calling me to be, I'll sign my name. I don't need to know the bullet points. I don't need to know how many chapters are in my story, where they're going to take me. I sign my name, Jesus. Because no matter what, I just want you to write my story. 
just want you to pull me toward what you see me to be. God, I don't want to settle for what my dreams are. No, God, what, what do you want to accomplish in me and to me and through me? But it's not just about ministry. It's about relationship. God, I just, I, I want to know you. And that's what we celebrate this weekend as you stand to your feet. Easter, the cross, Calvary, the tomb, the blood. It's an invitation that God is saying, come into my, my, my presence. The cross tore the veil. Why? Because I want to reveal myself to you. Because I want you to really see and experience who I am. And not just a high priest. I want every single soul, every human throughout the rest of time to know who I am. I invite you today to come to the front or, or if, wherever you're comfortable. Just, and just come and just say, God, I, wanna, I want you to hear my voice, but Lord, I want to hear yours too. Jesus, I'm hungry to know you. God, you made a way. You tore the veil, not just so I could be in ministry. You did that so that I could have relationship. God, I want to I want to see you. I want to hear you. I want to know you. I want to grow with you, Jesus. God, I'm not content with yesterday's blessing. I want to grow. Reveal yourself to me, Jesus. I believe you want to do that, God. Help me, Lord, all the things that are going on in my mind. You're the number one thing. I reveal yourself to me, Jesus. I want to know you, God.